Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And I'm Matt. Welcome into today's episode, everyone. We have got another fun convince me today. And it's my favorite kind of convince me because I get to sit back and be convinced. I didn't have to prepare for this episode at all. So Matt, it is all yours, buddy. See, I actually like being on this side of it. I like, <laughs> I, I love this side of it. So maybe our convince me is just need to be uh, uh, me convincing you of things. Well, <laughs> uh, we're going to have one coming up. We've already, we've already talked about it. I don't even know if we planned it yet. I think it's in our calendar. You and me are both going to try to convince the other person that, in my case, I'm going to try to convince you that Finding Dory is the better of the two movies, and you're going to try to convince me that Finding Nemo is the better of the two movies, and I think it's going to be a battle convince me, so that's going to be a lot of fun, but, but yeah, that's, that's not this one. This is a different one. <laughs> yeah, this, is a, this is a different one, and, and this uh, is going to be a different type of one because uh, – so it's about a movie. I don't want to quite reveal it yet. Um, always about the movies. Always about the movies. Although you oh. had a fantastic one in there, so I'll give you that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I've ventured into the parks, but um, it's it's been a while since I've had my movie hot takes, and it, and so I'm going to start with a little bit of brief history of this film because I went down this rabbit hole and it was incredibly interesting. All this of of how this movie came about and why it didn't do so well. So so we're going to start with some of that. So my convince me, but I'll, I'll start with my main statement. My convince me is that. Atlantis The Lost Empire, the 2001 Disney animated film, should get a live-action remake. Ooh, okay. Now, tell me, Casey, have you seen this movie? Atlantis The Lost Empire. I always get this one confused with The Road to El Dorado. <laughs> no, and why, and I, and I say that, and I mean that because I've seen The Road to El Dorado, and I think they came out roughly the same time. Oh yeah, it, it was, it, and it's very similar kind of. Yeah, it, it, I, I, I can see where the similarities are there. So I don't know if I've seen Atlantis. To be honest with you, I okay. I don't even know if I necessarily know the premise of it. Okay, so um, for for those of you that don't know, let me give you the basic premise. So there is a scientist. His name is Milo, uh, Milo Thatch. He is voiced by Michael J. Fox. And he is, you know, the stereotypical person that um, thinks Atlantis is real, but, uh, you know, all the people in his institution are like, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. Well, it turns out that there's an eccentric billionaire that's like, nah, like, go ahead, take my submarine and go. And essentially, it's his journey to find the lost city of Atlantis. And I I don't want to spoil too much about that. Um, I don't want to go too much further, but that's the basic idea. So it's Milo Thatch and this crew of people that are going to look for the lost city of Atlantis. All right. All right. Well, that pretty much sums it up in the title too. So uh. yeah, um, I, I don't want to say anymore because there's some really great twists and turns and I don't want to I, I want this to be as spoiler-free as possible, and my argument is. So right. a brief history of this film. It, it, it was first thought up right after The Hunchback of Notre Dame. So this is 1996. This film releases in 2001. So this film is five years in the making. And 
it, it was pretty much like, from what I can tell of a recent article, actually this article that I found um, released in uh, like June or July of this year that someone like did a whole expose on this and how this came about. They wanted to steer away from the big Broadway style musicals. Of course, this is on the heels of Hunchback, but you had just had Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback, all these movies that while you can argue, do I like the movie or not? You cannot argue that the songs are very well done, but they were like, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because the nineties were, they were all about the Disney animated musical. And then when you turn that corner into 2000 and you look at some of the movies that Disney produced during that time, they weren't musicals. And so essentially they wanted to harken back to kind of the early days of Disney when they were doing like 20,000 leaves under the sea and movies like that. And they sold it as this. They wanted to make an Adventureland movie instead of a Fantasyland movie. Wow. And I liked that. I liked that quote from one of the one of the creators of it. That that perfectly sums up of what they were trying to what they were trying to do. It, and it started out as a completely different movie. It was going to be Journey to the Center of the Earth, but I found it very funny why they didn't do this because they said the storyline was kind of boring, and the last uh, third of the a book is in pitch black and that's kind of hard to do in cinema (laughs) yeah that is a little rough but the other interesting about this there's so many interesting things this movie had like zero executive oversight and the reason for this was a they were focused on more the theatrical so like on stage but also disney uh at in corporate was going through a really nasty fight this is when eisner was in a fight with roy disney and so for, for like trying to take control of the company and all this other stuff so while they knew the project was happening they neither Eisner or Roy Disney really were involved in this project. So it was just this project that was happening that was overseen by the studios and the bosses there, but not by any executives. All right. All right. And so they wanted kind of this sci-fi feel to it, kind of like a steampunk thing. It's set in 1914 with like emerging technology and, and all this other stuff. And they were banking on this being huge. They're, the parks were planning Atlantis changes. So the subs that are now the Finding Nemo subs in Disneyland were going to be Atlantis. And they were planning in Disney World a whole new mountain coaster in Adventureland that was based off this movie that was going to join like Splash Space and Big Thunder as like the mountains. Wow. And then a TV series was planned. They were going to like cross over with the uh, gargoyles. They had that planned. All these sequels were planned. Now it, it did end up coming out with a sequel, but uh, it was much later and it was after a lot of stuff had been scrapped. But the TV series was going to be like this anthology thing of Milo and his crew going to unearth these artifacts and other stuff like that. It sounded really cool. So what happened? <laughs> Well, there was some budget cuts. So um, budget cuts happened. New sequences were added or taken away late, so money had already been used. Um, The other interesting thing is Shrek came out a month earlier, and Shrek was a huge hit. Yeah, Um, I remember that movie. Donkey! Donkey! (laughs) I'm a huge Shrek fan. Love that movie. And so ultimately... People just simply didn't go see it. And the reviews on it, 
I think were a little bit unfair. So I did a lot of research into the views. So people didn't like it because it lacked animal sidekicks and musical numbers and was, and this is a quote from, from the article I read, the antithesis of what Disney animated movies should be. One review said, Beauty and the Beast, this is not, which just isn't fair. So, Casey, you really love The Greatest Showman, right? I love The Greatest Showman, yeah. You love that movie. And so if I were to say, you know, in, in the context of this, they're saying, well, Disney put out Beauty and the Beast, and so this movie isn't that. So it's bad. If I were to say The Greatest Showman is bad, Casey, because it's not Deadpool, you would say, yeah, but The totally Greatest genre, Yeah, totally different genres. <laughs> Just because they're both live action does not mean that you can put the two together. You've got to appreciate them for what they are. Exactly. Like, like The Greatest Showman is not trying to be Deadpool. And that's what in this movie was not trying to be Beauty and the Beast. It was trying to be it very much not that. And it was not totally butchered in reviews. Um, Roger Eper, who is a, you know, widely respected movie critic he gave it three and a half out of four stars and said this movie is really revolutionary it's really great and but overall if you go on like rot tomatoes or anything like that critics butchered it but not everyone did and this is where i will move into my argument of why disney should make a live action remake of this because you might be thinking well this might be more of a risk this is not a disney classic this is not something that you see in the parks, though I believe it does have a nod in one of the water parks. Um, I did not research this, but I, now that I'm speaking out loud, I believe there's one new water slide that like there's writing on a wall that references this movie. But in general, you're not finding Atlantis stuff. You're not finding a whole lot of merch for this. Um, though it'll be interesting to see next year it celebrates 20 years anniversary years are usually a big thing for the Disney company and we'll see what happens well it's funny so before you go into the live action part of it so I'm just looking at that time period of, of the early 2000s and I'm looking here and you know we've talked about this before in the pod this was not a good decade for Disney movies and if they decided to make that switch away from musical theatrical kind of uh, event to this more more of a traditional or adventure oriented. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the movies that were not, that were made in that time period. Dinosaur. It was panned. Emperor's New Groove. It was panned. Atlantis. It was planned. Uh, Lilo and Stitch is probably the one exception, right? We've talked about that. Treasure, yeah. Planet, Treasure Planet. It was panned. Uh, Finding Nemo's Pixar. Brother Bear. I mean, my goodness, that's one of the ones that everyone hates. Looking around here, what else do we got? And of course you get into Home on the Range. Uh, Chicken Little. Um, you know, meet the Robinsons. Like those were all, I don't think any of those, any of the ones that I just named, I don't think any of those were musicals. They were just straight movies. I mean, there might've been a musical number in them every once in a while. Bolt, another one, like, again, not a very popular movie. That was 2008. Really the reason why Pixar in a lot of ways is where Pixar is at right now is because during that time period, Pixar was filling a void that Disney just was not happy. And it wasn't until Princess and the Frog in 2009 that Disney kind of found its way again. Yeah, um, exactly. And even there, there's a whole interesting story behind that too, that we can't get into tonight. But, um, but I also contend that there are, believe me, there are some bad movies during the time. Dinosaur is a, is a hot pile of garbage and you, <laughs> You already know my feelings on Home on the Range. I don't need to say them. Um, it, uh, but 
I actually think there's some really good gems in there. And this is one of them. Like, this is one that you go back and watch. I, so I, I maybe I've talked about this on the pod. I think I have. My wife and I decided to watch the Disney animated movies, just the Walt Disney Animation Studios movies, theatrical releases in order of release, starting with Snow White. And at that point, um, this was before Frozen 2 came out, we ended with Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah. And the fun part about this journey, I highly recommend people do it, is you come across movies that you go, why haven't I seen this? Or why isn't this movie a bigger deal? This movie is great. And this is the perfect example of a movie that I had never seen until a couple years ago, watched it and went, why don't more people love this movie? This movie is excellent. This movie is a ton of fun. And the climax of this movie is really exciting. And, and there's fun characters. And it's funny. And I, it, it was, it's a really, really hidden gem. And so I, I think what this speaks into is kind of my first point of why they should live action remake it. If you read user reviews, so not movie critics, it is a stark contrast to the critics. If you're talking your Rotten Tomatoes or your uh, other things are in like the 40, 50%, the user reviews are all in the 90%. People love this movie. They talk about, you know, kind of the stuff that I talked about where it was a total pivot. So there were a lot of people that that said, you know, this was the movie that I that was my childhood because I didn't really like the Broadway style musicals. I didn't like Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan. I didn't like those movies, but this movie came out and I loved it. And this was also at the outset of the Internet. And so it, it got Internet advertising. It was one of the first movies to be advertised using like Internet games and things like that. And so a lot of people caught on to this. And so while it has bad critic reviews, Pretty much users, people who are watching this movie, love it. Love it. It's an action-adventure film, so I think that transitions really well into a live action. You know, the the sub that they go down into is a really cool piece that you could very easily do. I mean, it's got your normal under-the-sea things. You get attacked by, you know, some kind of kraken-type squid-type thing, and there's a lot of explosions, and then Atlantis itself is really beautiful, and there's a, even in the animated film is a great set piece that would transition really, really well into a live-action remake, and it's got this steampunk vibe, which is really kind of popular right now. And then it, it, my, my really final thing, I don't have too many points on my argument, but my final thing is it, it, it checks the boxes for me of what a live action remake needs to be. I, I'll be honest, a lot of the live action remakes I don't like. And it's because they're kind of adding to the story. Perfect, perfect example of this is Beauty and the Beast, which we'll get to more in uh, uh, next week's uh, episode. We have a Beauty and the Beast episode coming. But it adds something kind of to it, but not really. Whereas this would go along the lines of something like a Jungle Book or a Cinderella, which is why I really like these movies, is they really... I don't want to say totally change everything, but they alter enough stuff that it adds something more to it. And interestingly enough, um, I did some research on, you know, okay, are they even thinking about remaking this? Well, actually, as early as May of this year, rumors were that Disney was looking to remake this movie. Now, it is in very early stages. They have no one 
you know, writing or directing or it, it, like it is in baby, baby stages. But the rumor would be that Tom Holland is who they're targeting for the main character. And I have seen Tom Holland in many things and I like him in a lot of stuff and it would be very okay if he took this uh, role. Um, but who knows with COVID and all this other stuff, whether this will even happen, but Disney may be recognizing this already. So I, I hope that, you know, some Disney executive stumbles on our podcast and is like, Oh yeah, this guy thinks it's a good idea. So we should totally do it. But it, 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 all in all, I really don't think it would be that big of a risk. It, it, it would be the first time they didn't just do a Disney classic it would be resurrecting a film that I believe was before its time. I mean, you look at a film like Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty was panned when it when it came out. It wasn't until later that people really got an appreciation for the movie. And I think this could be kind of the same thing where it was panned at release, but then upon further review, people are looking back at it going, you know, this movie is actually really good. And this could be a way to bring it into the new generation and create a really fun franchise that people can interact with. So uh, I want to make sure you're done with all your points before I respond. Yes, I, that is that is my that is my argument. I throw it over to you. <laughs> so you didn't actually have to do a lot of convincing me on this one. You had me at the beginning of the episode, and I'm going to kind of explain why. I, I agree with you 100% that this could make an amazing live action movie. The only thing that I would I would eliminate from the verbiage is live action remake. I don't think they need to necessarily tie themselves to the remake of the of the animated movie. I think they could very just easily make a live action Atlantis and, and make it its own. And they can free themselves of the shackles of the animated movie. If it has moments of, of similarity, awesome. But if it doesn't, um, that's okay. Again, jungle book is probably one of the greatest examples of this because jungle book, even though it was a quote unquote live action remake, uh, John Favreau didn't necessarily have to stick to what the original uh, movie was all about. Yeah, he did in some cases, but he also, in a lot of ways, added a lot more to it. When it comes to Disney live action, you have two spectrums. In my opinion, especially live action adventure movies like this, you have on one spectrum Artemis Fowl. <laughs> Oof. That's what I'm saying. You have this movie with all these great intentions Artemis Fowl. John Carter, Prince of Persia, right? Great intentions, but they almost take themselves a little too seriously, right? Then you kind of go onto the other end of the spectrum for live action adventure movies. And I've mentioned this one before. National Treasure is one of is an amazing adventure movie that Disney put out. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a lot of fun. It's witty. Nicolas Cage is a great action hero in it, right? I could see a uh, an Atlantis live action along the lines of how they did National Treasure, but with the aesthetics and humor and fun of like The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, right? Okay. See what I'm saying? It's kind of got that – it's campy without being too campy. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's adventurous. It's family-friendly. I think Tom Holland is an amazing choice to play uh, Milo or, or whatever you called him. I think that it could be a lot of fun. But again, if they try to tie themselves to the animated movie, which no matter how hard they try, no matter how hard you want it, no matter how hard fans of the original animated movie might want it, there are more people who are probably not fans of the movie than are fans of the movie, which means no matter how hard they try, 
if they try to tie it to that at all, they're going to get a lot of criticism for it regardless, right? So why not just free yourself of the shackles and just say, we're going to make an Atlantis live action movie. And yeah, there might be some elements from the animated movie in there, but you know what? It's a whole new story. It's a whole new premise. And, you know, it's going to be a family fun adventure, but don't take yourself too seriously with it. Don't, don't try to make it this epic thing. Cause it's not an epic thing. It's a, it's a fun family adventure. You know, I think in some cases, what you're saying would honestly be worse because I think there is, it, 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 it it has a cult classic mentality and, and, and where, where there's a huge fan base of it that, uh, that and huge, I don't mean huge is in beauty and the beast size, but huge is as what a cult classic is. And I think if you did something that was not more closely tied to the animated film, you would alienate the already existing fan base and then I'm not sure you would then propel a new fan base into loving it. I, I think what is in my in my research of this movie, it's one of those, you know, sometimes movies just miss. And, and it doesn't mean that they're bad movies. There's a thousand different variables that go into it. You know, what what was the weather like in, in certain places? Um, what was going on? during that time uh, from the economy standpoint from all like there's so many variables that go into movies but to me this one I I really think it's a good movie and 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 I think you can develop it even more get that fan base behind it and then that will get more people into watching it I, 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 I hear what you're saying and honestly I don't I wouldn't hate that type of movie but I think if you didn't closely tie it to the animated film it would flop hardcore i don't know i don't know i just and i think we're in kind of uncharted territory because any of the live action remakes that we've done have been based on have been based on you know beloved classics that people love for the most part now the exception of that being of course maleficent now, the original Maleficent is one of those movies that some people loved, some people hated. There was very little lukewarm in the middle. But then the second one came out and everyone loved it. So in, in both of those movies, really steer far from, you know, the source material of Sleeping Beauty. So I, I don't know. And, you know, there's a couple of other things here, too. You know, as I'm reading on this, there was a big controversy around around the themes of the movie and how it noted it had according to this bore a number of similarities to the 1990-91 japanese anime television series nadia the secret of blue water you know so again if there were issues there with stories you know maybe being a ripoff of another thing which by the way that's not uncommon for disney disney's done that in the past where they've they've taken story ideas from other movies and put them fast track them into production or just downright stole them how do you get away from something like that? Yeah, I, I, that was something that was not prevalent in the type of research that I was doing. And and that's one of those, I, I, I mean, if, if that's the case, then then fine. I mean, I, I, I don't think this is worth risking getting sued for big money. But I also think this is one of the few of those middle tier films that you could do a live action remake of. Because I was thinking about other movies like this, something like an Oliver and Company. Do I want to see an Oliver and Company remake? Not, not really. 
I mean, oh, come on. you know, you, you know, you want a home on the range. Uh, come on, buddy. Come on. Uh, now. That's not even a middle tier. That is, that is, there's, there's the bottom tier. Then there's the really bottom tier. Then, then there's a whole separate thing that is home on the range. It sits in its own pile. Um, my distaste for home on the range is, is going to become a very huge thing in this podcast. <laughs> but I, I guess let me ask you this. Would this be a better straight to Disney plus live action remake? Something like Lady and the Tramp did. Um, I, I don't. I, I, I think here's the thing. You could completely model it over over the, the, the animated movie and you could completely do it. But someone like me who's never seen it, that all that advertising, all that time, all that effort to try to play those strings to the original animated movie are going to be lost on the majority of the American public. I mean, I mean, I just looked it up. It only made $180 million on a 90 to $100 million budget. So it barely broke even when you figure, if that, it might have even lost money if you consider advertising with all the stuff that they did, right? So all that time and effort they're going to put into trying to model it in in write it so that it parallels with the animated feature to appease a small fan base. You know, again, even if it's a cult following, a cult following is usually small. I mean, I, I'm a cult follower of certain movies. Um, <clears throat> Empire Records <laughs> is a great movie. It's a cult movie and only certain <laughs> people know it and love it. It just, you know, it's a great movie, but I also know it's not a movie that everybody knows. So in this case, I just think for a director to sign on, free yourself and you can have, and here's, here is the magic of movie making. They can have allusions to the animated that true fans are going to get. They can have themes. They can have names and character names and places and 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 maybe scenes and you know if there's any kind of music that was in the original that is familiar that they can replay in this. Those are ways that you can have allusions. Remember when we talked about this with the Mandalorian? How for season two, you know, we really want to see. We don't want to see like the jet the Jedi saga in our face, but allusions to the Jedi saga would be awesome. That's that's what they could do here to in kind of this meta universe, if you will. I just don't think necessarily that they have to, you know, stick to the original script. But to your question, no, I think that if they did it right, they could do a box office. I think it could absolutely do a big box office hit. I think if they try to do it just for Disney Plus, uh, it's going to wind up like Lady and the Tramp. I mean. I haven't watched the Lady and the Tramp live action. I mean, have you? I'll be honest, I haven't. Um, I, I, I started. Understand. I mean, it I, just. I, I started watching the one and only Ivan the other day, and I got halfway through it, and I went, I, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> I just, for me, it. First of all, I'm not a fan of the original Lady and the Tramp, so you know, it, it's almost a similar parallel to here. I've not even seen Atlantis, but I don't necessarily have an interest to go downstairs after we're done recording to go turn Atlantis on and check it out. I mean, now that you've told me about it, I probably will at some point turn it on just to check it out. But I think that done right, this could be a really fun, family-friendly movie without the constraints of an animated and I think we're we're on the same page. I think we are so close. I think maybe there's just like minutiae of this argument because, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to see a straight remake where it's just here's exactly what happened and shift it over. And you, don't I, I, you don't want the Lion King remake. 
No, I don't want the Lion King movie, um, um, which is one of my reasons why I didn't like the Lion King movie. But something like, I mean, a, a Jungle Book is a perfect example of this. If you watch the 1960 Jungle, Jungle Book and the live action Jungle Book, there, it, it's very, very different. Now, again, there's similar characters, similar ideas, but it, it's it's a very different movie. And that's exactly what I want for this, where you have the same core where you have the same characters and you have the same like general idea of the plot, but they can move forward and, and fill in some of the gaps because while, while I think it's a great movie, I understand it absolutely has holes and gaps and other stuff like that. I mean, it it is what it is. But again, if they, if they do that, it will, if they try to do that, they will play to a small portion of the population who are like you, who like the movie, who are fans. Those of us who have not seen the movie will never know the difference. Yeah. And, and I think so. Yes, we are exactly on the same page <laughs> um, where, yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what it could be. And I think this is if Disney wants to take a risk with their live action remakes, this is really the film to do it. You know, here's a thought, kind of back to the question you asked me about Disney Plus. Maybe instead of a a, a straight-to-Disney Plus movie, what if it was like a straight-to-Disney Plus miniseries, like a three-part or four-part miniseries? I I am 100% on anything that is miniseries or an eight-episode limited run. Like, I'd be totally down with an eight-episode like season of Atlantis, the lost empire. I can see this kind of storyline kind of lending itself to that format. And then they're definitely not constrained by the shackles of the animated movie. They can put elements in there, but in the same regard, I mean, think about how successful, again, we've talked about this and then we've got to do an episode on this high school musical, the musical, the series, right? Think about how, how did not see that this episode was going to go with that, but please think about how, how successful that was by kind of being a comedy variant on itself, a meadow aware of the, of the movie. Think about how cool it could be if maybe they went in completely different direction of the movie itself. The, the characters in this mini series know that the movie Atlantis exists and it's a, a, a group of kids, high school kids or college kids who decide they're going to set out and see if they can find the, the actual lost city of Atlantis. And they got their idea from the movie or something like that. I mean, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I agree with that. that. Actually, it sounds like really fun. Um, but uh, Disney, I'm telling you, you got to hire me, man. You got to hire me to write your ideas. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, again, we got, we got to somehow get our podcast in the hands of Disney executives. Listeners out there, if you know Disney executives, send them this podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just, it, there's, you know, I've been saying this for a long time. Disney Plus is the perfect platform for them to really just try something because if it fails, you haven't you haven't uh, um, really cost yourself that you cost much. Yourself the production, but you haven't cost yourself the the distribution because again when you go to a a, a theater you're not the one distributing distributing it you usually have to go to a distributor who again charges a certain percentage of the film this is one of the reasons why movie theaters and distributors are fighting tooth and nail about these in-home releases because it cuts them out it cuts the middleman out completely yeah i mean absolutely like there's a lot of theaters that are really mad that mulan is being released 
uh, just on, or on Disney Plus and in theaters, but ultimately from a Disney company standpoint or any any production company, not just Disney, yeah. that are releasing their movies direct to home, it, it, it's it's money, it's straight money in their pocket. Like it makes sense from a business perspective on their end. But well, the, movie, and, the movie industry is kind of going through the same. It is going through the same shakeup that the music industry went through. 20 or so years ago when you had places like Napster and LimeWire and then eventually iTunes, which kind of formalized that, you know, this idea of going from CDs and albums and tapes and all that stuff to a digitalized format, which cut out the middleman completely. The movie industry is going through that right now. And there is going to be a, a, a revolution, I think, in the next couple of years, which is not today's topic at all, but it definitely applies to what we're talking about. No, I, I agree. But yeah, I think that Disney Plus, whether it's a TV show, you know, I, I, I'll say it again. I am a fan of miniseries because I really think, I, I guess Mandalorian is a perfect example of this. If they were to put out a Mandalorian movie and try to cram everything they, they did into that first season into one movie, it'd be, it'd be a hot mess. We'd be like, wait, what's going on? What's happening? Um, but because they can space it out, and tell it in an episodic way, there's some more care you can take. Now, you don't want to go nuts and have like a 30-episode season. Like that 8 to 10, I think, is your perfect you know, uh, amount of time that gives you about 8 to 10 hours to tell a story. I, I think that's a really good amount of time to tell a story. This might be a, gr- a great – that would be a great way to tell this story, I think. But we'll see. I mean, the fact that Disney it was thinking about doing it in early stages of development. Now, again, who knows uh, <laughs> because everything's been pushed back. Maybe. Maybe we'll get this at some point like <laughs> six years down the road and our 400th episode will be on the remake of uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. <laughs> Well, looking at the clock, it is closing time. Matt, you have convinced me. You didn't have to convince me a whole lot. I was on board from the very beginning, but it was a good episode. I think this was good. Um, I think we have some really good ideas there, too. Then you mentioned our 400th episode real quick before we, we close out. Um, I do want to congratulate real quick uh, Lou Mangello. He was on our show back in May. He just celebrated his 600th episode at the time of this recording. And I just think that's amazing. You know, just to go on a tangent for two seconds, guys, putting a podcast together, it's, 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 it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a labor of love for Matt and I, but you know, the amount of effort that goes into any one episode, it's not just the recording, it's the editing, it's the putting the music in, it's all that random stuff. So to have somebody who's been in the industry and kind of the godfather of it all, 600 episodes, I just think that's awesome. I just, congratulations to Lou, the WDW radio over there. So. Yeah, I will, I will echo that because uh, yeah, I mean, that's, in case you said it, labor love, but it is labor. Um, it is. And so for him to be able to do that as long as he has, that's really, really awesome. And his episodes are like twice or three times or sometimes four times as long as ours. So I can only imagine how how long it takes him to edit. I mean, like his episodes can be an hour to two. I think one of his episodes was two and a half hours long. And again, that's awesome. He puts one out a week or maybe one every other week. So, I mean, he's been doing this for over, like, I think it's like 12 years at this point. So, but yeah, it is labor, like you said, but we love it. We love every second of it. So if we were doing a two hour podcast, we would not be uh, releasing two episodes a week. No, 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 no. So, and actually as it it is right now, um, I mean, we're so far ahead on our episodes. We're recording this on August 27th. I don't think this thing is set to release until like 
middle of September, maybe even a little bit later than that. So uh, by this point, Mulan will have been out. So you guys will know if it's performing better than we even know right now. So future Matt, future Casey, tell us what's going on. Tell us what's going on. Uh, all right, Matt, how do they get a hold of us? <laughs> Uh, uh, my uh, before I get to get a hold of us, go watch. If you haven't seen Atlantis and you're looking for something to watch on Disney Plus, I highly recommend it. It's not a long movie, um, uh, really fun. Uh, uh, and tweet at us or Instagram us or tell us on Facebook whether you watch it. You can email us uh, beers and ears nineteen twenty eight at gmail That Facebook group beers and ears podcast, Twitter and Instagram at beers ears nineteen twenty eight. Again, please tweet at us. Let us know what you think. Uh, whether I'm crazy and or whether you think I'm a genius and this is a movie that you should have been watching forever um, as always please rate and review us uh, we, we cannot say enough how much that that helps us out take one second and give us a five star review if you've got a minute give us an actual written review it, it really really does help us I, I, I really cannot stress that, that enough so thank you to those that you've done that and, and please please rate and review us five stars five stars new episodes every Tuesday and Friday alright let's raise our glasses it is time to get out of here this episode has been on us have a great night everybody bye everybody